0: Welcome to Why Gifts Matter from the Core Gift Institute, a series of conversations spanning helping professions, spiritual traditions, and community encouragers who believe that knowing your gifts and giving them is an essential part of living a full life and creating healthy communities. Find out more about us at www.coregift.org. Hi, I'm Bruce Anderson from the Core Gift Institute. In this episode of Why Gifts Matter, we're talking with Roseanne Miller, a licensed clinical social worker in private practice in San Diego. After being in what she describes as really dark places in her childhood, she came of age in the 60s and was heavily involved in the free speech, anti-war, and civil rights movements. Years later, she has a balcony view on how those early experiences shaped her path and helped her to both discover and commit to giving her gifts. I met Roseanne years ago as I was walking down the halls of a locked psychiatric ward in Los Angeles. We walked together past long lines of people waiting to get their medications and benches of people sitting idly for hours staring at nothing in particular. Roseanne, in the midst of all this, was eager to speak with anyone who would listen about their gifts. She saw in them what often they couldn't see in themselves, and her insistence, as you will soon see, is contagious. With the primary gift of compassion, she now works with veterans, she says, as a way to make amends for her anger at soldiers when she was younger. Helping them to discover their core gifts upon their return to civilian life is one way she can help them rebuild their identity and find places to belong and heal.
1: Because it occurred to me that the core gift search is really a way of going back to find what is at our core, what we came here with, the idea of the gift as something we're born with and that we can hone over the years to use for the purpose of why we're here. That just fits the whole thing.
0: In this wide-ranging interview, Roseanne weaves her story of learning how to show herself compassion, recognizing how gifts create the opportunity to belong, and making meaning out of the dramatic twists and turns in a life she has fully lived. Well, good morning, Roseanne. I'm happy to talk to you. We interview all sorts of people on this uh, Gifts podcast—spiritually um, uh, related people, and therapists, and community organizers—and so you fall in the uh, in the uh, clinical social worker and therapist category. So I've I've been oh, waiting I've, to talk.
1: I fall into all those categories, Ruth. <laughs>
0: That's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You're creating trouble right off the bat. That's oh, what I expect of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like to start by asking people: um, Do you have memories when you were younger of your of your uh, gifts beginning to emerge? What you may not have called it gifts at the time, but what's your memory of when you were a child of these tremendous gifts you have starting to come out of you?
1: Hmm. That's a hard question for me to answer because. Uh, It's clear that I had them because they are what allowed me to survive, but I was more cognizant of the things I didn't have and what was the matter than I was with what was right when I was young. But uh, I have a gift of humor, that's for sure, and it, it showed itself early. And I have a tremendous gift for resilience, and that showed itself early as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a capacity to be delighted, and that was clear when I was young. Uh, A love of nature and of wanderment, which is kind of a combination of wonder and wander, because that's what I did a lot when I was a kid.
0: And so as you got older and um, and honed your gifts more, you decided to be a a clinical social worker, a therapist, whatever the label is that you want to use. So why did you make that decision?
1: Well, I've been working toward that decision for all of my adult career life. I wanted to be a social worker initially because I wanted to change everything outside of me. I wanted to change the world. I was uh, very early on when I first started college, I was a civil rights worker. And then I moved into the free speech movement. I was a part of all of the movements of my era, which was the 60s. And I got to be a firsthand witness and participant in in all of the really, for me, monumental uh, coming-of-age experiences that occurred during the 60s for my generation.
0: So how recently or how long ago did you... Um, start thinking about people's abilities in terms of gifts?
1: Well, I first was introduced to the idea as it as you practice it by you when I was working at a mental health facility, a locked facility for uh, people with severe and persistent mental illness in Long Beach. And at that time, the L.A. County Mental Health sponsored a two-day workshop that you and Gina did, as I believe, and I was just in awe of it. I, it just was as if I had been looking for it all my life, actually, because it made sense of so much that I had already seen and experienced and come to think about and believe in.
0: Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned that you've been in awe of this idea of gifts. What are the What are the two or three reasons why it Why, for you, in your work, and your personal life, it seems to be such an important um, um, idea and language.
1: Okay, well, the first reason is it it speaks a journey, and I guess it grows out. I guess, you know, harking back to the last question you asked me, one of the great gifts that I was given was a love of the story. The fairy tales got me through my first ten years of life. And of course in all the fairy tales there is a journey that the hero has to take and there are obstacles that the hero has to come through on the path and so that was the first thing that i really resonated with when you were uh, giving us the theoretical background in core gift was this idea of journey because i had to believe that I had been on that point, at that point, on a journey. And boy, had it taken me twists and turns and diversions from the path and returns and crises and all the things that if you don't see it as a journey, oh, life is not hardly worth it.
0: So you've been talking about your gifts, many gifts, and and, um, and I know you spent some time reflecting on a, uh, uh, and deciding on a primary gift that you are bringing to the world. So why don't you share with us what that is?
1: Well, what it all comes down to when it's said and done for me is compassion. And um, I've had the great gift of being given, given a gift many times in my life by great teachers That is the greatest gift that I've had, really, is that in all of my journeys, I've encountered some wonderful, wonderful teachers. And mainly, the gift was that I had the capacity to see that what they were giving me was a gift and to relish it and just take it in. Um, So when I look at all of that, it all really boils down to compassion as the core of it all, that life is only worth living when you can see it that way, that it allows us to tolerate all the things that are so amiss, all of the imperfections, the pains and the sorrows, and yet to have the perspective that why we're here is to be able to be kind to ourselves and to others. And to learn how to be kind to ourselves, which I had never learned in all of By the time I met up with you, I had not yet learned that lesson. I was still trying to learn how to be kind to everything outside of me. Mm. So it's been a long journey for me to get to this point where, as I said, I, I, I am trying to practice self-compassion on a daily basis.
0: That would That would be exactly in alignment with the with that old saying out of your profession, you can't take anyone further than you've been yourself.
1: Exactly, and and sometimes I think that's why I'm willing to go anywhere with my clients is because I've been to some pretty dark places. Mhm.
0: So I know that you, one of your specialty areas is working with veterans after they uh, return. So why, tell me a little bit about how you work with veterans. How you work with, and how you work with veterans around their gifts. What's the connection between being a veteran and gifts?
1: Well, what I began to realize when I started working with veterans, which was about three or four years ago, uh, of course, was how wounded they were. And it wasn't just the veterans who had been deployed and seen action on foreign soils. It was even those veterans who had been in the service, whichever branch it was, and had stayed stateside. Um, Because of what the military does, which you may be very familiar with, uh, because it's pretty well known by now, that the military in their basic training and in all of their structure breaks people down. It breaks them totally down to where they're just pliant, pieces of protoplasm, so to speak. And then it builds them up again in the model that they want them to be, which are tools, really. They turn them into tools who will take orders, who will perform on schedule when they're told what to do and do it without question, and who will be like pieces on a chessboard, basically unfortunately, when they are released from service. And I have to say that I've been to a couple of uh, what I guess you could consider debriefings, where they put them through uh, two or three days of stuff, learning stuff about resources in the community that are available to them. Um, And I guess they see that as the debriefing of the the soldier or the sailor or the Marine or the army person. Um, Anyway, it it isn't sufficient. They come back into civilian life and they have no clue where they belong, what they're supposed to be doing, who they can trust, and what the hell is going on in this so-called civilian civilized life. And so there's this sense of, I don't belong anywhere. I don't have any identity. And this is a major thing that is troubling our veterans. Yes, a lot of them have PTSD because of things they were exposed to while they were in the service. And that is another very serious and and very difficult and sad set of circumstances for those veterans. But nearly all of them that I've been working with have this other sense of displacement and disassociation from themselves as a human being. So what I started doing, because it occurred to me that the core gift search is really a way of going back to find what is at our core, what we came here with, the idea of the gift as something we're born with and that we can hone over the years to use for the purpose of why we're here. That just fits the whole thing. So I started doing core gift with my vets and several of them had some really beautiful, beautiful uh, experience with it and felt uh, a good deal of healing and more whole coming out of it when they were able to say, this is my gift and I give it by
0: so I hear you saying it. Gifts then is it's not for you. It's not only um, a way to discover kind of the core of who you are, but it's also a, a way to feel like you belong.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So I recall this old story. It's been around a long time about uh, uh, a person born who grows up to be uh, a cantankerous and very difficult person in the community. And he becomes so difficult that eventually the community exile him. He, he, he They turn their back and tell him to leave. And so he travels outside of the community and, and, and encounters many difficult obstacles. And eventually um falls into a river and has a struggle with a creature down in the side of the river. And as he emerges, he discovers that that the creature he was struggling with was himself and that as he emerges he has become whole. And so he makes his way back to the community. And there at the uh at the outskirts of the community is the the wisdom woman who had told him to leave. And she's standing there and welcomes him back into the community. And to his surprise, she tells him that she had been standing there, waiting the whole time that he was gone. And I found this story so compelling to me. Because I want to be that old woman who's waiting. I want to embrace them. I want to tell them how happy I am that they've made it through and that they have returned to us. Mm -hmm. And how much we've longed to have the gift that they are bringing to us. How much we need it. How we are not whole as a community without him or her and what they are bringing
0: Boy, that's such a different return than than so many of our veterans receive when they come back.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. In my young era, when it was the Vietnam War, oh, my God, they were shunned. (laughs) I was among the shunners. And, in fact, one of the reasons that I so love doing this work is that I feel it's my own repentance for the lack of compassion and the – zealous like outrage that i felt towards those who actually responded to the draft and went to vietnam i will never forget how how much i hated those young men and mostly men that went then and how regretful i have been since i've learned more about life that i behaved in that way and had those feelings and this is, this is my, you know, this is my uh, amends in a way.
0: And what does your understanding of gifts have to do with uh, those amends? Well,
1: you know, I haven't given that question much thought, but it occurs to me that the gifts can only be, they're only gifts when, when we, when we give them, you know, and the amends is the giving of the gift. They're what makes everything that has happened make sense, make it worth the the struggle and the journey. Something can come out of it, you know, and compassion doesn't. It, it The capacity for us for it is is birthed within us when we first come. But the the deep meaning of it and the way, all the many, many, many ways that it can be given and received, they have to be discovered in our in our life journey. Why? Well, if we don't discover how to give them, then they're not really yet a gift. And if we don't see the needs for them, then how will we be able to give them? Now, if I go through life in a in a, in a kind of uh, careless, cavalier way, and I don't see the, the woundedness of this world, I'm not really living a, a meaningful life, I don't think. I'm living pretty superficially. and And if that's the case, then whatever I've been through myself has no meaning, and and it was for naught.
0: So as somebody gets older, in the same way that we have not been good at welcoming veterans home, we have the same kind of abandonment in many ways for people as they get older in our culture. That's true. So what about gifts? And and uh, you you know you you and I are both significantly past adolescence how kind you are and so what about I gifts and older people as people begin to feel uh you know like they're getting uh if they start to feel less useful the older they get what would you what's your what would you say to them
1: i would say that you are our legacy makers we stand on your shoulders and everything that you have done in your life makes it possible for us to move another step in our lives. Um, I had a wonderful, I had some wonderful teachers in my early training as a social worker. Um, and I focused on uh, the gerontological arena then. And one of the great teachers that I had was a woman named Barbara Meyerhoff who wrote a book called Number Our Days. It's a fabulous book. And her idea was that. We need our elders to tell us their stories. That's their job. And that's why they exist. And they need to be able to tell it. And um, it's a serendipitous connection. I'm so grateful, really, that I had that kind of training going into my work. I mean, Bruce, it just... I'm constantly reminded by the fact that my own stumbling journeys have, have just introduced me to so many of the values that I have come to embrace. And I'm so grateful. I went a lot of places all over this state, which is a pretty big state, as you know, California. I traveled from the top to the bottom and back down. I mean, from the bottom to the top and back down. And everywhere I went, I was able to find teachers and learn things
0: so you mentioned the older people as um, as um, as as bringing the legacy yeah so what kind of, what kind of a legacy would you like to leave you know the old uh, Latin root of the word legacy is is what you've been a messenger for so what what are, what are you trying to be a messenger for Roseanne
1: Well, uh, to some extent, it's completely uh, expressed in my gift statement, but to make it really more individualized than that, it's that one can travel a long distance, and one can fall many, many times and encounter great obstacles and make very foolish mistakes and um, get up again and carry forward or sideways or whichever way the road seems to take them. And that um, they can make sense of their life, that it can be worth something useful. Um, I think the resilience is a big part of it that it doesn't matter how many times we fall down, it's important how, how, how many times we get up again. Mm-hmm. And I think in many ways that my life is an example of that.
0: And how do, your, how do your gifts help you get back up?
1: Well, humor certainly helps me get back up. I have the ability to laugh at myself. And um, finding teachers have certainly been a, a way to help me get back up. When I have encountered a fall, I look around and there's almost always a teacher who can help me in my struggle to write myself.
0: Is there a certain uh, set or a certain kind of gift quality you look for in a teacher?
1: Mm, someone who listens and someone who can see. and uh, someone with humor and someone with what I consider to be a uh, and this is kind of i'm embarrassed to say this actually, but someone who is intelligent
0: mhm and what what do you mean by that word
1: <laughs> that 's why i'm embarrassed to say it <laughs> because there's so many different kinds of intelligence but um Someone who looks around at the world and takes it all in and by their nature and by their study is able to make some sense of it all at a deep level rather than just accepting desperate parts and not connecting the dots.
0: Well, it sounds like those are exactly the qualities you're trying to bring to the people that you sit with in the in the different kinds of healing sessions you do.
1: And you know, it's really interesting. One of my great teachers, whose person I never met, was Eric Erickson, who did a lot of writing on social work practice in the clinical sense. And he talks about the life cycle and the stages of development. And his view on the older years is that that is a time in which we have two conflicting poles that we're struggling between. One is continuity and the other is despair, or one is integration and the other is despair. And despair and despair, I think, are connected. When things don't connect, when they don't make sense, I think that's when we can really give into despair. Uh, and our struggle is to integrate all that we have learned on our life journey. So he puts that in a very beautiful way in his writings. And that's our last stage of life is to do that work. And that is why we can then have a legacy to pass on.
0: Very- that's very similar to the idea in gifts that gifts are threads and you they're threaded through your whole life and they're the themes that connect everything together. So, in in that way, then gifts contribute to continuity and keep Absolutely. us away from despair.
1: That's exactly right.
0: All right, all right, Roseanne. Well, you've just about used up all my brain power this morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be so much harder, but it was really fun.
0: That's great. Well, you're you're wonderful at uh, to being asked questions and. Um, and uh, being able to uh, just respond off the top of your head in a really beautiful and thoughtful way. So I appreciate your time. Thanks so much.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm anytime.
0: Thank you for listening. To hear more podcasts, explore our gift library, or learn about our training opportunities, visit us at www.coregift.org.